0: Yo, I was a queen before I became a teen. I melted microphones instead of cones the ice cream. Music orientated, so when hip hop was originated, fitted like pieces of puzzle, complicated. the mic and tryna say
1: All
2: right, gentlemen, we're going back to this the heady time that was 1993, Bill Clinton's <laughs> first year in office. Yeah, first baby boomers in charge of the White House. 1993 was a sad year if you enjoyed the movie The Crow because there would be no sequels after Brandon Lee's death. Well, maybe there'd be there a There were sequel, sequels. But, <laughs> that's but, <a> problem. <laughs> that's right. Sad sequels with uh, Xerox copies of Brandon Lee that just weren't quite as good. And also, River Phoenix died that year. So that was kind of like... It was the,
0: formative. but It was like crazy it was still a crazy good year though like i remember 93 being a lot of like a lot of landmark things came out in art and uh music and movies and everything like that It was do- 93 was dope yeah man
2: i 100% agree with you and uh it, you may hear a third a person on mic today that's because we have a guest in the building Mr. Uh,
0: Herbie Gill. Oh yeah, what's up? Sorry about that. I should have waited until I was introduced before I said <laughs> no. anything. I got, I got excited. It's 9-3.
2: No, no, no. We hate it when people wait. So uh, I, I, if uh, it's your first time listening, let's just let you in on the podcast title, Eat, Pray, Judge. I'm Gabe Pacheco. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr... Sammy Hamarne. Yes, and Herbie Gill is here. Herbie Gill, a uh, longtime friend, uh, DC native as well, stand-up comedian, and um, we're happy to have you on the show today to discuss me, this fantastic movie, which we'll, we'll tell you in a moment, but you probably already know because you've, you've seen the title of the podcast. Yeah, you
1: opened your eyes while you were searching <laughs> through your phone. <laughs> but uh, in
2: 1993, I was watching a bunch of movies, and one of them was Dazed and Confused. Yep. Which had a killer soundtrack. Saw that in the theater, oh, and yeah. uh, and it had so many cool, um, uh, you know, actors mm-hmm. starting out. Matthew McConaughey playing uh, a short-eyes uh, old man who just kept. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the funny thing is that that role followed him forever. Yeah, like that was the thing that people remember him for more than anything. It was his most iconic role. Yeah, You're he right. said it in his Oscar-winning speech. <laughs>
2: He's like, all right, all right, all right. You guys love it when I go after those teenage
0: girls. Yeah, everybody was waiting for it.
2: Yeah. He was
1: only 19, I think. Uh, or his character was only 19, but he seemed like he was 46. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: right. It was that power mustache that he had. Right? It
0: was
1: that power mustache. It was
0: that me. like LeBron thing. <laughs> or not even LeBron thing. Remember, if you look at old um, athletes during that time, like everybody looked like they were like in their 50s, and they were all 20-something. Or he did look like Kurt Rambis a little bit. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh, I mean, that was the thing, you know, when you graduate from college, if you go to college in a small town and the kids that, uh, stay a couple years after graduation and just keep lurking on <laughs> campus.
1: That's like any town, any city. <laughs> I feel like if you stay in there, stay there for too long, you're a townie. Yeah. It doesn't matter the population size or, uh, popularity of your, of your locale.
2: Yeah. yeah so, uh, he's a little bit too old for the club as right. Chris Rock would say. And, uh, yeah, so I love Days of Confused. Like,
0: every classic movie came out in 1993. Jurassic Park, (laughs) The Fugitive, Schindler's List, Groundhog Day, Bronx Tale, Philadelphia, Sleepless in Seattle, Cool Runnings. Like, you could just go on forever and ever and ever. And every favorite movie is in that list somewhere.
1: You know what I, I learned today, or the other day, actually, was that uh, the sound of the velociraptors mm. in uh, Jurassic Park were actually sounds of uh, giant tortoises mating. Oh, that's wow. I got the, the noise.
2: Wow, so they just put a uh, zoom in. Fr- <laughs> they put
1: a boom in front of uh, turtles fucking. Yeah, yeah, totally,
2: on the Galapagos Islands. Somewhere. <laughs> sure. Probably on a set in Van Nuys somewhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was... Shit, the- that's worth-
2: this was the apex of grunge so all of the hot uh rock albums Mm -hmm. were coming out this year as well smashing pumpkin siamese dream yep uh nirvana's in utero came out and then a few months later um it was the end
0: wu-tang debut that's right that was a whole era changing thing black moon tribe
2: that's right yeah
1: not premiered but let out let out bangers
2: and so we had this thing where rock was uh, having – it's a sea change, an aesthetic change. It was a broodier, darker time for rock. But then you also had this changing of the guards in hip-hop as well. And then, uh, and then some executive out there thought, hey, uh, this worked really well when Run DMC did it with Aerosmith's Walk This Way. What if we were able to mash up all of these hot new rock sounds mm-hmm. with all of these crisp, fun, fresh, and funky uh, for the 9-3 hip-hop sounds. And lo and behold.
1: The peanut butter and jelly of 1993 music. We
2: get, yeah. that, uh, we get that Judgment Night soundtrack. Judgment Night!
0: It's yeah, so the first cool. movie
2: I
1: think ever <laughs> created for a soundtrack.
0: Yeah. And it kind of... It, it, it showed... In a lot of ways, oh, yeah. or you're just like, yeah, they, they didn't think this out the that, entire way. That script was paper thin, and they did, <laughs> and they didn't play any of the music no,
1: in the movie. I was gonna say I noticed that, like at the end, like after it was done, I was like, damn, I didn't hear
0: a single song, I, not even Judgment Night. Yeah, <laughs> Judgment Night. It, like I, like as soon as you mentioned Judgment Night, I was been singing it for a week, and like <laughs> I remember that song so well. Judgment Night, like it was dope, and now it, I, I was waiting for it the entire time, and they're playing some. They're playing the De La Soul thing, which was actually kind of a good song, but they played themselves hardcore in the beginning of this film because it doesn't match anything else that happens in this film. And then they play it at the end, too. Like, yeah. they do that thing where they bookend songs. Yeah, yeah. the same song, which did they set
1: the tone initially, and you're like, oh, it's happy. And then it just didn't fit at the end at all.
0: Yeah, they should have played that. It's a waste. What was it?
1: it was De La and Sonic Youth or De La and somebody I think it was
0: Dayla teenage fan club. Yes, it was. teenage yeah. fan club. Yeah. and it was something that had the uh, age in, in, the, in the title.
1: Dayla was an interesting choice for that soundtrack.
2: Yes, well, you know what it was. It, it felt like this real uh, crossover pop. Um, that I don't think they wanted a hip hop artists that were too dangerous. They I mean, wanted they... hip hop artists that were like that would cross over to. Um, a suburban audience i mean i, I was well, no, not I mean, an executive
0: in the office right. but i think it was just to soften i guess if, the, if these people are all on the same label they're trying to bolster a little bit more of the weaker artists like they'll have somebody that you like and somebody you might not have heard of but they're pretty good
2: right it's super cross-promotional and and it felt like this whole thing was created in a laboratory by like mtv and interscope yeah you know because you look at, at artist wise uh And the rap rock, a lot of the songs feel like two separate songs that have just been mashed together rather than it being an actual collaboration between artists. Right. So like the first song, uh, Just Another Victim with Everlast and Helmet. Yeah, I know you love that. uh, It's a Helmet (laughs) song but then and then it's Everlast's best verse outside of uh, Prince Paul's Prince Among Thieves where he plays a police officer.
0: I, I we've talked about this. That is one of, like that's the best thing Everlast has ever done and will ever do.
2: Yeah, if Everlast just rapped at, from the point of view of a of a crooked police officer in every song, it yeah. would be amazing.
0: You hear that, Whitey Ford. <laughs> that yeah. was a that was a bad move.
2: We want we want to hear the bad lieutenant running up in your tenement <laughs> oh, yeah, all day long, the... man. We don't need to hear like sad work guy. It
0: was down, punk. <laughs> it's like it was great. It, yeah. he, he acted better than, than this movie too. But do you think for musically that they wanted to line up people with their version like Biohazard and Onyx. That was the apex of that soundtrack, but do you think it's because They are each other's counterparts in their respective uh, genres of music. They're also
1: both from Brooklyn.
0: Oh, well, or actually,
1: so, no. Some some of them, are, well, it's, they're New York. They're
2: they're
0: out of borough. Okay, so it's so it's a, all based on like public transportation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: they're like, can you all take the seven to meet yeah. each other? Like,
0: yeah. Well, Sonic Youth is Ubering around here, yeah. so let's get daylight we'll in there quickly. We'll take the seven train to Court Square. Yeah, <laughs> no, but
2: I think, uh well, at least for Biohazard and Onyx, there is like this. They both have that slam dance vibe to them. Yeah, like Onyx feels like the most like hardcore in the in the in sort of. A rowdy like women aren't gonna go hang out at that.
0: No, not the at shaved, bo- <laughs> not the shaved head hoodie club. No, nah.
2: no. These these are all just like Biohazard and Onyx is just like uh, dude slam dancing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> urban
1: discipline.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think with Sonic Youth and uh, Cypress Hill, they were thinking, okay, like Sonic Youth has uh, more of us. Uh, I don't want to say like jam band or stoner vibes, but I think for the whoever they like the stoners for, are gonna,
0: is, is gonna appeal with the marijuana thing. Yeah. They fit and, musically better, I think. And Sonic Youth and Delos is just like, well, I'm awkward, <laughs> but I'm, I'm not threatening. Right, right. <laughs> I'm not it's, angsty.
2: It's like white people with dreads, black
0: people with dreads. Yes, it's like the lament <laughs> track.
2: Like they might all have puka shell necklaces.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Would you yes. consider this the first rap rock sort of fusion besides Walk This Way, which was just too you know uh beastie boys
2: uh the license to ill i think
0: Beastie boys just as a uh, group well yeah. they just
1: they sampled the hell out of no that was rick rubin yeah okay. and then the, and the guitarist for slayer who did all of, all the riffs for Run dmc and, and the beastie boys that were original
2: and then interesting i think uh check your head came out in 92 mm-hmm. so that again was like the first seminal or yeah, a- aesthetically uh pleasing rap
0: rock. Um, and also 91 or 92 was uh, Anthrax and Public Enemy bring the noise. Bring the noise which was awesome. Yeah.
2: Also the Chili Peppers,
1: we talked about this before on one podcast. I th- I feel like he Anthony Kiedis bought a, a, like a hip hop style flow. Yeah. to to you know.
0: Yeah. to this to, band to that rock. was more funk than anything. A lot, yeah, very.
1: Well, they were like funk much, rock
0: anyway. Yeah, California but, funk rock. But
1: they were huge hip hop fans him and Flea so they, they you could say stylistically also, Rage Against the Machine in '91, when that came out, that was probably the best fusion of those two genres because Zach De La Roca's flow was very oh God, much yeah. hip hop influenced. He actually did. They did a, sound, a song for this soundtrack. Them and uh, was it Helmet or Helmet and Rage Against the Machine recorded a song for this that went eight minutes long. They ended up not liking it and they pulled it. It was called "You Can't Kill the Revolution." That would have wow. been interesting to hear. Yes, uh, you can find it on SoundCloud. I learned.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what, deep what, cuts, everybody. There you go. Yeah, but uh, I think you know that the so this was like a, a first stab at, um, you know, a whole soundtrack made of rap rock anthems, and uh, but you know the the fruit that this tree bore was uh, Limp Bizkit, yeah, the crib, yes.
1: this rap rock's crib death, yeah, because
2: <laughs> they they broke out in like ninety four ninety five, and I think they saw this and thought, well, let's just grab it and run with
0: it. This and like... make it bad, <laughs> yeah, and that that kind of signal the 2000s because that was the end of all the cool eras that were started in 93 that's that's when the jiggy era fully was it i feel like the biscuit
1: the jiggy era coincided it was like 98 oh yeah and then like where where everything
0: became pop yeah and like everybody's got like oh yeah and like onyx had hoodies and shaved heads back in the day and now everybody's doing the fish eye lens videos with the shiny clothes big suits shiny suits yeah
2: yeah, so we're here today to talk about not just the soundtrack, but the actual film, Judgment Night. <laughs> at, least, at least for a couple of minutes. Yeah, we'd love to do that. And, like, uh, another intersection with, like, music and. Is, uh, is the choice of Dennis Leary is the heavy in this. I
0: oh, it. that was, the, that was the, uh, era specific too because that was right when he was at his peak. Mm-hmm. So everybody was getting Dennis Leary to just be Dennis Leary because they didn't know how else to use him. They're like, oh, we just need a guy that rants and is kind of funny with the ranting. So they shoehorned him in to everything. He was good with the, the quips and the one-liners in this one. Like oh, I, he was great. He he, he definitely moved it along. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
2: but he was um, he he was getting famous right around this time because he was on MTV like smoking cigarettes and ranting. Ranting, yeah. And uh, they would they would just have interstitial rants mm. in between segments, almost like commercials.
1: I wonder how that came about.
2: And uh, well, he like fit this sort of uh, like white guy with a rock and roll aesthetic. Yeah, right?
0: he he was edgy. Yeah, at the time he was always uh, cha- we'll always chain smoking, super super he was like high. The, uh, the
1: Anthony
2: Bourdain of of comedy. Ex- yes, I would a hundred percent would say that he also was a whitewashed version of Kinnison and um, Hicks. Right. So like you know, Kinnison had that same but rage, but Kinnison was um, he had the same rage, and he also had that connection to like uh, heavy metal because mm. in L.A. he was doing videos with like the hair metal bands. Kinnison was yes. Yes. yeah. But he died and um, but he also was a like rabid misogynist and he, he made no bones about it, so he just wasn't quite palatable enough for mm. like T
0: V. Yeah, Dennis Leary could fit in the mold that you needed him to because he wasn't counterculture like Hicks or Kennison were. Yeah,
2: and, and Hicks was like so left that yeah. uh, he would you know, you didn't want him railing against uh, the politics of the day. He also would never have done a movie. With them, right, right. Right. I mean, I think I think he might have wanted to be a a movie star as well, but on Judgment Night, yeah,
0: yeah. That was the other (laughs) thing too. It's basically who's going to beat Emilio out of this top spot because he it was his vehicle, and I understand how weird this is. This phrase is before I say it. It is not Emilio Estevez's best work. (laughs) (laughs) It's like it's it's you're you're really trying hard to believe him as like a former tough guy who has to be a more of a tough guy now and it's like everybody is acting the shit out of this movie except for him. It's like he just woke up and had sides in the bathroom that he had to go do.
2: He's like Seinfeld on the TV show Seinfeld where everyone else <laughs> is breaking a sweat being amazing and he's just
0: like Seinfeld's like what's the deal?
2: And then, and then you know because the thing is is the other character actors were propping that show up. Oh Absolutely. And so, like, you know, Emilio – and I love Emilio Estevez, man. He's a family favorite. He's, my, yeah, he's our favorite I dig
0: him. But, like, even in this one, I'm just like, dude, what are you – do? like, every, even the wife, <laughs> the, the guy that – oh, it's The guy. The, um, the lady that played his wife with a baby in hand in two minutes' time acted the shit out of him. And it was <laughs> insane. I'm just like, I already hate this woman. So vehemently because she 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 just seems like a like a super like that that old trope naggy wife that sort of pushes the action forward and that's why he has to run away so badly. But I believed her <laughs> right away and I'm just like God, just what what's he doing here? Like I kept asking, "Where's Charlie?" Or going like, "Like, dude, you're you're an Estevez, don't." Yeah. D- don't don't do this to your family. Like Dude, everybody else will destroy this role. Just
2: yeah. play Billy the Kid from Young Guns in this movie. Yes!
0: Yes. Hey, <laughs> play play the coach from Mighty Ducks I was say, This movie is yeah. like
1: the Warriors cross with Mighty Ducks. Yes. <laughs> it's also like the overacting Olympics to me. Like everyone else was like on like PEDs and and you know, Emilio decided to show up on Drama Mean. He basically so what I read also is that he was so far down the list of actors that they initially wanted they wanted Tom Cruise they wanted all these people, so they started to get very desperate because they were at the point where they either had to pull the plug because they'd spent eight million in pre production oh so wow, they, they offered him four million, and he took it, so he begrudgingly <laughs> took this role
0: and was like That's crazy. four million have you did you f- have the feeling that like there were more than one people that like they didn't want this guy for that role and they just like definitely steven dorf they were looking for christian slater i guarantee or river phoenix honestly, or river phoenix (laughs) like river phoenix if it was river phoenix it would have to be him like he was a better actor than any of these people at the time and he dies
2: and johnny depp probably passed on this
0: oh big time christian slater probably was the person that they wanted for and after uh robin hood prince of thieves you couldn't tell him shit (laughs) <laughs> so, like, that was going to be the thing that was going to propel him to heights unknown. And they said, okay, well, Steven Dorff, we're supposed to get Christian Slater. He's like, no problem. I can do Christian Slater. It's fine. It's fine. Just put me in there. Do you and know he what? did Christian Slater the whole time.
2: <laughs> I love uh, Steven Dorff now. I do. Because I loved him in this season of True Detective. He was great. And that is making <gasps> He's in like...
0: it. Oh, crap. I didn't know. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's <okay>. He's a... <laughs>
1: I, I would actually say that he was a revelation in this role. Him oh, when I can't the wait! Him and,
2: and Ali are.
0: I would love to see. Yeah, it. but they he's make like, it. I kind of fell off. Yeah. Uh, I gotta go back and watch it. If
2: they ever make an old man Logan movie, or <laughs> remake it well without like dumbass kids at the end of it ruining it. <laughs> um, really Stephen like Dorff should play uh, Logan. Wow, As, that's he's... hospice Logan. Hospice Logan, like sixty-year-old. <laughs> emphysema logan he's great it's in it and so now i'm going back and i'm looking at his old body of work and it's making me see uh him in a new light so when i turned this on for the first time since 94 probably when i saw this mm-hmm. i was so excited to see him uh playing emilio estevez's younger brother the hothead the gen- he's like the gen x uh hothead uh soon to be fred durst
0: yeah, <laughs> I think they were actually. This is friendly. a friend Durst origin story. I think they were
1: yeah. friends in real life, by the way.
2: Yes, but uh, Estevez, man, um, he uh, is—he's the one smart Sheen I think that got out of Hollywood before contracting a fatal disease. I don't think it was his choice. You don't think so? <laughs> no, no,
0: definitely not. I don't think this movie helped him. I
2: thought he was the—he's sm- <laughs> always the one that I had my money. He was with.
0: the mild—he was the mild-mannered one, but like, no, like. Uh, Charlie Sheen, no not Charlie Sheen, he's got a few. Um uh uh Martin Sheen doesn't have anything, right? He's just old. He's
2: just old. Yeah, yeah. he's the dad.
0: Yeah, but I mean like he's 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 still acting in amazing stuff. When he did that Grace and Frankie thing. It was yeah. like, "Oh man, you're killing it." Yeah, no, he I played think...
2: the
1: president in, in the West Wing. He was in,
0: uh he was in the departed and that was awesome. Like he's he was. I don't think he's ever done badly in a role. Charlie Sheen Has done amazing things with things that should be garbage. And speaking of which, the garbage movie that they did together, Men at Work. I love that (laughs) movie. It was a great movie. And that was like, that was one of Emilio SFS's best because it's like he was (laughs) Martin Lawrence uh, to Charlie Sheen's Will Smith in that movie. They had a chemistry that you needed to have your brother there for. That yes, was, I, I I actually really enjoyed that. Movie. Mighty Ducks it works well because again he could be propped up by these kids that are really doing a little bit more than he is. But it's a kids movie. So, so you that's think fine. he got
2: forced out of Hollywood? I feel like he stepped away.
0: Here's the deal. This is a stepping away from Hollywood because it's just like, yo, man, we're giving you a vehicle. This is supposed to be your time to shine and. Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jeremy Piven are having fucking pissing contests with acting right in front of you, and you're just sitting there like a bitch. Yeah. He's, I guarantee you Jeremy Piven is going to, Cuban, uh, going to Cuba Gooding Jr. and going, watch this shit. Watch what I do right now. And just destroying this role. And Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, okay, okay, all right, I see that, I see that. And then went, tried to go harder, and then just going back and forth. And that's what made this movie captivating meela As if it's like, oh, come, come on, guys. Uh, I would have loved to, to see
2: together. Jeremy Piven as the villain in this.
0: Oh, my God. How much fun would that? He was the villain, wasn't he? <laughs> yes, he was. He was the worst person. Like, I wrote down in these notes. Every time I talked about Jeremy Piven, it was something negative. And, uh, this guy's the worst. <laughs> he was the worst friend. <laughs> It's like, okay, why does this guy, oh, Why does this guy's wife hate all his friends? It's not because of Cuba Gooding Jr. He's trying to pick up women on the street and shit like that. He's very low key. Kidding. It's the <laughs> guy that brings the goddamn <laughs> RV and is speaking to <laughs> a speaker in a suburban street. What Dude. is the appeal of a luxury RV, by the way?
2: That Winnebago. Yeah. Was... Why,
0: why? didn't they just watch the fight in the thing? That was my first thing. I'm like,
1: this... you're gonna fucking take a loner out for like a, a beautiful. Living room that you can drive that you can't take a shit in, and he lied it, about it. He lied about it to get it with a gun on board,
2: with marble floors. Mar-
1: why would you put fucking marble floors in an RV? It's like he- the DC sub, like
0: Metro. Like yeah. Why, why are <laughs> there carpets? What the fuck is that? Is He's is drinking that? and driving, and everybody's letting him cook because they're like, "Oh, that's just lot. Ray." Like, no, dude, that,
2: that, that RV was so- on cocaine.
0: It had a Nintendo though, so you know what? I mean, like that's luxury. So yeah, they, they could have played Punch-Out and had a better time. Duck Hunt.
2: <laughs> that RV was like the uh, a yuppie A-Team van. It had a loudspeaker. They had the pistol in the uh, glove compartment. It was pretty cool.
0: It was also not very mobile because the first time they tried to actually escape from something, you get stuck in an alley and <laughs> have to burn it. Oh, my God.
2: Yeah, so anybody that hasn't seen this film, a, a very brief synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> is uh we've got Emilio Estevez and he plays a brand new dad with a a wife who is played by a great actress but cast as a nag and uh yeah. it's boys night out so he wants to take his uh three best friends out to a boxing match and Jeremy Jeremy Piven is one of his friends he plays a sleazy salesman who rents the, borrows the RV the Winnebago for the night. under
0: false pretenses. And it's
2: got to be like a $100,000 Winnebago. This is like the Winnebago that Nelly would show off in Cribs. Yeah. You know, as, uh, like as the Like every surface
0: has been fucked on when White Snake had it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then he's got his uh friend who plays like a heroic uh wannabe hero uh slash varsity um, athlete. athlete, cool. Gooden Junior. Yeah. And then he and then Super charisma. Yeah, he's super charming <laughs> and then you've got the, the fourth member of the team, which is the wild card, uh, Stephen Dorff, his hothead younger brother.
0: Who was not supposed to originally be part of this trip. It was a friend of theirs that canceled it, so they invited uh, Emilio Estevez's brother, not Charlie Sheen, but Stephen Dorff.
2: <laughs> which would have been amazing. Which, oh, my God, how which, awesome would that have been? If Charlie Sheen had actually shown up to play his brother in this.
0: See, like, we're helping uh, Largo Films, which was brought to you by JVC, which shouldn't have, which should have been a telegraphing of, hey, this is not going to be the greatest thing in the world.
2: So. <laughs> They got to take this RV into the inner city from and, – and right now they're around the lake, which is kind of – this is uh, – Chicago is a theme in all the movies we've seen. In Risky Business, yep. we had Chicago, Boys on the Lake. Right. This is just older boys on the lake coming yeah. into the city. And they were
0: supposed to go to the city, but it was a traffic jam or something. And because your driver is drinking, by the way, he's drinking <laughs> heavily, he gets pissed. Oh, they – Oh, I wanted to talk about one of my favorite scenes, the fight yeah. that almost happens in, in traffic, because you get one of these quintessential uh, 80s to 90s assholes that's driving a Jeep with a blonde, long-haired woman, and he's talking crazy shit, and Stephen Dorff, being the resident badass, is yelling at him because they won't let him in, and then he like scrapes the side of the Winnebago or whatever, and then Stephen Dorff is going to go out and kick this guy's ass, so they're both going to fight the 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 car parked in front of the jeep that the guy gets out of that guy gets out too just to watch the fight that was the funniest thing in the world where it's just like nobody gets out to watch a fight yeah no. it was like somebody's gonna see a fight here like they had three opportunities to see a fight in this winnebago before they veered off
2: yeah and-
0: <laughs>
1: setting,
2: setting the tone and yeah. Then, yeah. So now we know these guys are—they they got a hothead in the group. They don't follow the rules. They're going to get out of traffic. And yeah. Then they, so basically, they're about
0: that life. They—they they, they want all the smoke.
2: They get off the <laughs> yellow brick road. Basic. It's Dorothy. She's not in Kansas anymore. Now they are in the middle of
0: desolate Chicago. Yeah. And you know it's a bad uh, neighborhood because there's trash. Floating everywhere, <laughs>
1: yeah. It looks like Philly. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's well, it's like like the- a lot of papers crumbled up, like a bunch of people's screenplays, are just like, oh no, this is no good, and um, they just threw them out like I tumbleweeds.
1: I didn't know that they that it was supposed to be Chicago because I actually wrote in the notes when I started watching it what like what I, I knew somewhere in the Midwest. It felt like Cleveland, Chicago, but they didn't really let you know it was fully Chicago till the end. right? No,
0: they yeah, they never let you know it was Chicago till the end. They never showed anything that would be a Chicago defining landmark. No. It was, I think. Because they wanted it to be like this could happen in any city right. in America. Like, I know it couldn't. Like it even was... the skyscape when they were on on the rooftop, I was like, is that Cleveland? Where yeah. is that
2: you couldn't tell.
1: Like, I have no idea where these people are. I know it's the Midwest because because you can tell,
2: right? <laughs> and so we see they're they're stuck in a magical uh, urban like dystopia. Yeah. You know the landscape. It's a wasteland, and uh, which is what no city is really like. So it's it's a huge lie, and it's uh, it's a premise that. Um, that's ultimately conservative to make people feel like, oh, we shouldn't go into the cities. Yeah, and uh, this is a
0: cautionary tale. Just show
1: the the warehouse areas, right? Yeah, or right. the industrial portions where nobody is at night,
0: except for <laughs> bums that just hang out en mass near warehouses, and that were potentially
1: red shirt freshmen at Purdue with <laughs> <laughs> aspiring college careers. Oh yeah, that one guy. He was like, yo, no, man, I used to play. Mental disorder.
2: So our boys, they're uh, they're driving around and drinking. In their uh, big Winnebago, with their uh, bull horns on, uh, he- heckling uh, winos outside. Yeah, when... who the hell has a
0: bullhorn in a Winnebago, too? What,
2: at, dude? What is wrong with these people? And
0: they're like, and they <laughs> and they call themselves the Welcome Wagon. And they're like, wait, all these bums are coming. They think you have soup or something. Like,
2: yeah,
1: like, National Lampoon's asshole vacation. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah, I mean, th- these guys are the villains in the purge. <laughs> <laughs> They're driving into the neighborhood to kill poor people, you know, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, they see this guy runs out of nowhere, uh, and they think that they hit him with the car. So Jeremy Piven is already paranoid, wants to drive away, as you would want to do if you're yeah. a yuppie and there's a hit. And he's run. just
0: a fond of bad decisions anyway, but he's the one that's controlling the thing.
2: And uh, this this dummy that they hit is actually he's been shot already, and he's got all the bundles of
0: money on him. Beautifully acted thief. by Michael DiLorenzo. Lorenzo. Right. Oh from, my God.
2: From uh, New York Undercover.
0: Yes, from New York Undercover and the bad, vi- not uh, the beaded video. Ah, yeah, right. he just can't get out of the inner city no matter what he does. He was in fame too. Yeah. Back in the day.
2: Yeah, he's like, why can't they just cast me in a suburban role? Yeah. Or put me in space. He's in his kid, which got is the
0: that, that Washington Heights face. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> he can't go anywhere outside of those roles. He 100 does. <laughs> but I mean, they have people that could only play one role because that guy Peter Green's in this. And he's, he can't play anybody but assholes. Which, which one's Peter Green? Uh, the main guy that's the henchman, the main henchman oh, of Dennis right. Leary, that was yeah, in the yeah. mask as the same person, <laughs> and that was <laughs> in Usual European Suspects League. as the same person. Yeah, same dude.
2: He's the, the rapist in um yeah <laughs> in uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he's Zed. Yeah, it's like can he's like can I just get a role that's not this? Can you like put me in? Charge They're like of my no, you look like class? a huge
1: asshole. He's probably the nicest guy in real life, dude.
2: I Wikipedia'd him and under <laughs> personal life. It says, like, it's three lines in the last sentence is was arrested in uh, 2007 for crack cocaine. (laughs) I'm like, not even. It's like, what if your whole life was just boiled down to, like, one arrest for drugs? Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's a million other things about him that we could talk about, but. I don't know. He's he's good with Brill
0: Cream. He likes to slick his hair back. (laughs) (laughs) Brill Cream level expert. For the mask role, he brought his own mask. So I
2: <laughs> I also feel like these are some bottom feeder goons. Like, you definitely have Dennis Leary, who's, you know, this is a star vehicle for him. Yeah. They definitely wanted him. But Peter Green, he probably wasn't a first choice. You also have Everlast, who's – I I'm Everlast. super happy that he's in this because he's in the soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, he's
0: a he's kind of a staple of the era, too. Right. But, man – But he doesn't say two words in his
2: What? Why would you cast someone whose entire profession is having the gift of gab and not give him any
0: lines? Probably because he couldn't act his yeah. way out of a fucking paper bag. He, they said like, oh, he's got a shaved head and a nose ring. He looks tough.
1: And he's like I'll sell tickets to disenfranchised white suburban kids.
0: Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and that's why I was like, what's you know what was the screen test for Everlast? Like that's what I want to see. I want to see the outtakes where they were. Yeah, like, it was, this a head, acting it was, was a headshot.
0: Yeah, and a record. Yeah. Yeah. Like yo, y'all saw yeah, me and jump around. <laughs> 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 Will you get bored at? That? <laughs> That's what he was still using that voice, the yeah, Everlast voice, not the like, Whitey right, Ford voice. Right
1: before he converted to Islam,
0: yeah. <laughs> Started using acoustic guitar, still telling me to put my lights on with Carlos Santana.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think the goons are kind of like a mirror of the uh, of the good guys. You know, Peter Green's character is kind of like a slimy uh, salesman as well. He's kind of like a piven, mm. and then uh, Everlast, I think, I guess would be the the hothead.
0: Yeah. Like each each counterpart, I think killed each other to to a degree.
2: Well, I'm not sure. I can't. I can't remember at this point. But I I know. No, you know what though? Because Dennis Leary ends up killing his own complaining bad guy.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Like Emilio Estevez, if he was more of a badass, he would have just killed Ray himself. Because <laughs> 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 oh no, killed um his brother. Because that's the whining bad guy because <laughs> right. that scene in the sewer where he was supposed to kill Peter Green he just bitched up there. He's like, I froze, I froze. And that was his big acting scene. <laughs> oh, my God.
1: That was the most pr- prolonged gunpointing contemplating shit Yeah, we're like, whatever. just
0: get. Like they, Shoot him. There were maybe seven scenes in this movie that, are, that were like ten minutes too long. Like you didn't have to. <laughs> the thing where they were crossing the uh, building. There's no way that takes that long. Or the scene in the sewer, or the scene when they're in a warehouse waiting and they're just sort of catching up. Yeah. It's just like it's – you. this was an hour miniseries that you could have done half an hour on on a t- TV show or a, a television network. And instead, they prolonged five different scenes for no reason to make this into a feature film.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pacing-wise, I think it was just – it was way too long. You know, also, there, yeah. Agreed. There were moments where I, I totally checked out. I
1: was – I didn't see <laughs> the uh, – Dennis Leary killed the uh, the complaining guy. I missed that.
0: Oh, it was a great scene because he's ranting while he does it. <laughs> okay. It's a beautiful <laughs> scene. I wish you had the capability to pull those scenes up and then just look at them because it was so – like this was the thing that kind of almost explained why Dennis Leary is a ranting guy because he's just kind of high strung. So the fact that he's doing that while he's talking shit for no reason and then he doesn't seem to know – that he killed the guy, too. or Everlast. This is the one line Everlast has. Yo, I don't think he's getting up. Yes. I don't think he's jumping around anymore.
2: <laughs> it's funny because, like, 90s hip-hop artists, they weren't, aside from Tupac, I feel like you weren't allowed to have a range. It, it's almost like they were all Christopher Maltesanti in an acting class. Like, oh, if anybody yeah. ever asked them to cry, they'd be like, no, like, they'd, they'd punch you. Yeah. not cry.
0: <laughs> it's not a part of my brand. <laughs> right.
2: It, it'd be off-brand for Everlast to, to show any emotions. In the same way, and, and, like, anger is such a one note to have, and I think that's also Dennis Leary's problem, too, is uh, he's at least verbal. But yeah. it gets old after a while where, like, the only note that you hit is that you're complaining about stuff from a really angry point of view.
0: Yeah, like... Yeah, we know why you're a criminal because you fucking hate everything. But <laughs> it's like, right. why do we always have to hear about it?
2: I'm like, what's does does his character have a girlfriend? Does he have a, you know? Is he happy being part of this gang? Was he friends with the guy who betrayed him and t- took his money? Like, I bet he you he had remorse? those
0: notes though, because when he was uh, the bad uh, bad guy in Suicide Kings, he always told about like his past somehow, and that brought it into <laughs> it. Like, oh, I can see why you're mad. But this one is just like he's just an angry guy that will spend an entire night chasing these people, and it's like he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> but I'll tell you this: what um, that line on the roof where he said "Shut the fuck up, you speak when fucking spoken to." Okay, this is not fucking high school, motherfucker. That is one of my favorite lines in any movie ever, and that's what I remember from this movie. And
2: this is when he's got Jeremy Piven, and he's going to throw yeah, Jeremy Piven and Jeremy halfway. Piven
0: is like. Jeremy Piven can be so smarmy or so erratic or whatever that you're just begging for anybody to kill him. You're just like, come on, he can't keep talking like this. Somebody do something. So it was building up to that tension, and uh, it was nice that they threw him off the roof. It's like, he had a good scene, but then here comes Cuba Gooding Jr. Oh, you think you're going to act well with falling? Wait until you see this, and he comes out shooting erratically. (laughs) Because he's emotional. <laughs> that's, the I, thing, that's the thing they wanted to show you. Like, I'm the emotional wild card. Like, I can't control my anger. I wanted to actually
1: hear him say, I mean, I'm emotional.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he loves to do that, where he's like, yeah, he's ever insane. since he was uh, throwing punches because Ricky died in yeah. Boys in the Hood, he wants to have a lot of that same energy. Shout out to Ricky. That's our second shout out to Ricky
1: on this podcast.
0: Oh, wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the UC, USC homeschool visit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Koopa's got another scene where he tries to do that and that's when they're in the um, when they're down in the sewers, which is at one so gross. And then the second time that I that like, 'cause I'm a germaphobe, so I was like, ew man, they're going in the sewer. Yeah.
0: But they still thinking, had like a slide, a fun part. Yeah. They're like, wee. I know I was like <laughs> I think said
2: it wee. felt very adult goonies. Yeah. You know? And I was like, When when are the teenage mutant ninja turtles gonna just jump out and save these guys? But they end up. Kuba uh, decides that he wants to make a stand, and they 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 beat the one guy. They shoot him. Peter Green gets uh, dies in the water. Oh, and here's here's something. One of the guys, Kuba, shot one of the guys in the arm on the roof. Yeah, and then the all four of the bad guys, one of them who's been wounded, go into this sewer. Would you ever go into a? giant uh, river of feces with an open wound.
0: That's unsanitary. No, you don't do that. Not that's without not, Purell not or smart. some sort of
2: waterproof bandage. Dennis Leary,
0: as a leader, should have known that, and it's irresponsible to take a soldier in there with you if you're not going to make sure he's got a nice uh, sterilized wound yeah. that he got for you.
2: But Kuba decides he, he wants to like beat all these dudes up down there, and it reminded me of Game of Thrones when Theon is like telling them all to, to take a stand yeah. at Winterfell. And I, I was like, man, I hope they just, like, leave him.
0: Yeah. And, well, here's what's fucked up. They left him. Like, <laughs> almost immediately. They're like, he's like, you know what? We need to take, take a stand. And uh, he did this big speech. And he made him feel bolstered. And Emilia Estevez is like, um, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. And they just, I'm like, they legit left Cuba Goody Jr. in the water up to his knees. Yeah. And, and then he came out and caught up with him. Hard pass. Just to say, like, hey, what the fuck? And then a bus comes, and the bus, like, they're running at the bus in this inner city. He's like, oh, no, I'm not picking up any fares in Rape Alley, and just kept going. And then he starts shooting at a city bus. That was, I'm just like, okay, now I know why they left <laughs> a little bit. Because he's like, he's going to shoot at a city bus. Like, who's going to shoot at a city bus, and the bus is going to be like, oh, wait, let me stop and hear the rest of this. So there's, love- yeah. Go ahead.
2: No, there's never a moment where Emilio shows that he was the former... Like, tough guy. Right.
0: Even Never. when he yells at him about, like, hey, man, you – you like, that was the thing. You used to have balls. It's like, what?
2: Because, like, why would you ever be friends with, A, a Piven, and then, B, a Cuba? <laughs> High school friends. And, like, you got it. you know, Dorf is your brother, so it's like, okay. And he know.
0: wants to be the hothead, too, but he's only in Christian Slater's shoes.
2: Because uh, a movie that does this much better is uh, History of Violence, where you have oh, my and – plays such a nice, timid uh, shop owner who we know you used to be from Philly, you know? And, he, and he's, he, like, you see that transformation yeah, uh, to becoming a hardcore killer. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted to see at some point in this movie with Emilio. So you're absolutely right. He deserves to have his career completely get taken after this.
0: <laughs> I mean, like, deserves, I don't know, but it's like, even in the scene with Stephen Dorff, <laughs> Where Stephen Dorff is like, I was scared, man. I, I he's like I choked up there, blah, blah blah. And he does this beautifully acted monologue, and Emilio hugs him and ruins it with one line. He's like, I, I'm scared too. <laughs> like really? Tell your face. Tell anything. <laughs> like I can't. I don't know that you're scared at all because you don't have a note that says Emilio's scared. <laughs> <Tell your face. laughs> it's so annoying. I was like, because uh, that's true. the thing, Is like, it kept framing the fact that, hey, we need somebody to act a little bit more for Emilio, because like he just doesn't have it in him. But we already made all the posters, so just funnel everything towards him, and just let him try to knock it out of the park, but throw it to him underhand, or else he's not going to be able to hit it. And still didn't hit it. Yeah. Who would you cast in that role? At the time? Yeah. Um, Fleshing. Jeez. Well, Tom Hanks wouldn't do it. Oh, Tom oh, Hanks wow. was murdering it this year. Did um, Tom
2: Hanks? Does he have that feral energy in him?
0: Like, no.
2: Is, is there a movie where you've seen Tom Hanks have a dark side?
0: Anytime I've seen him have even weaponry, I'm just like, hey, hey man, put it down. It's going to be fine. They love you. Everybody loves you. You're not going to need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: let Tom Sizemore kill that guy for you. You just, <laughs> you just hang back, Tom Hanks.
0: Uh, road to Perdition. Yeah. Oh, never mind. You you yeah. got me there. Damn. He was, yeah. But that was another movie where he could just start, like act so much with his eyes. Oh, man. That was a beautiful movie, too. Yeah, really good. Uh, Yeah, but you got me on that one. Yeah. Oh, here's a question I'll pose to you that, it, that was sparked to me in this movie. Has Cuba Gooding Jr. run in as many movies as Tom Cruise?
1: Physically run? Yeah.
0: Like he's always running in some
1: movie. I mean, that's a good question. He it, he he had a lot of straight to video shit. For
0: movie, <laughs> yeah, so. so somebody's gonna have to watch Snow Dogs <laughs> yeah, to I, see if he was running. I don't think I have the stomach for it. And how and how crazy is this? Not only are the, have they both in a lot of movies, but there's a crisscross in Jerry Maguire where they are both running. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That was just an interesting, like, hey, uh, nugget for people that are listening to this podcast. Like, hey, look that up and see what you can
1: find out. This is also Dennis Leary and Everlast second film together.
0: Yeah, who's the man? What? Also craziest-ass soundtrack the, in the world.
2: This is the only movie I've ever seen Everlast in.
0: Well, he wasn't – like I think Everlast just did more of the soundtrack that he had like a bit part in uh, Who's the Man? Everybody had a bit part. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, can we just drain yo MTV raps and just like set them up in weird spots well, in this movie and then throw Colin Quinn in there too? I would actually love to watch that one. Oh, God, yeah. That movie's amazing.
2: So there's – one thing I was thinking about was when they – I like when they run into the projects. Uh-huh. And one, like – you know they even make the project seem so menacing, but really projects are just public housing, for yeah, it's families. just where people live, yeah, families that the government is providing some you know housing for. It's not everyone the in there is going to be, yeah, uh, going to be like a menacing person. And I also wrote down in bold, gangs are good, gangs are community watch, you the know, cup
1: community police,
2: yeah, that's like what the police should be because the police
1: won't go there anymore, unless yeah. you're Tazpeluski.
2: <laughs> right so uh so i see these this gang and they're like I- i'm down with them and i have an anecdote about this like i went to rio and in rio the favelas they're run by the gangs uh because the police don't really go in there at all and when they do they just go and kill children to like you know clean it up for when the pope comes to visit
1: or let, you know, they want the olympics yeah. right
2: so like when, and that's always a nightmare like if uh, the Olympics is coming to your city or some big dignitary from somewhere else. Mm. What that just means is that the local cops are going to kill orphans to like make <laughs> make it look nicer <laughs> for the visiting tourists. And I think uh, the
0: gang was in there to show that like, he wasn't – he's not completely unreasonable. He does have some code to him. Dennis Leary. Yeah.
2: Yes, he's a businessman.
0: Yeah, at, you know. at heart. That's right. what sets it up for uh, Piven's beautiful bullshit. Because it's like, oh, yeah, maybe he can be reasoned with. But it's like, no, it's a street code that he's dealing with. I love that uh, line. uh, You can't, like when the guy says, like, if we want your money, we'll just take it. Yeah. He's like, you can't take my money. But. You can take my money. <laughs> I'm like, ah, oh, I like what you did there. That's pretty cool.
2: But see, it, why why, why wasn't Dennis Leary already friends with this gang? Like, what is he doing in this neighborhood? Yeah, if There's he's no this backstory. big shot,
0: why doesn't everybody know him? Why didn't they just say his name was Fallon and they all bow down or something like that?
2: Right? Like, like I want the backstory. I want to know why his friend was running around this desolate warehouse with a stack full of cash. And uh, but anyway, they get they get to the projects and the projects are being policed by this gang. And when you go... Uh, This thing that happened in Brazil was, like, this one favela. um, The gangs were policing it, and there was a bank robbery inside of the favela. And the local gang came, and they had a gunfight to keep the bank robbers from being able to flee out into greater Rio. And then it came came to be known that the gang of bank robbers was actually off-duty cops. So, like, the Bank of Brazil was being protected by gangs from cops
0: it's like weird alternative universe shit yes it's all bizarro land so gangs are cool they
2: should all be deputized and we should (laughs) and we should get rid of the NYPD
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're policed by the red gang over here
2: (laughs) yeah well they only turn out to be bad when they need income Mm. and uh, you know if you pay them then they won't be they won't need to do anything criminal
0: Ooh, uh, there was that scene where he was just like, uh where Cuba Gooding Jr. is kind of losing his mind, and uh Emilio makes him back down, and I'm like, 100% bullshit. <laughs> like, I can't believe him. Like, somebody that always seems like he's about to be emotional against somebody that always seems kind of scared of something. Yes. It, it, it doesn't, it just didn't make sense, and it was... There are so many things with Emilio that just sort of took me out of the movie.
2: So what I've discovered from listening to you talk is that Emilio is the uh, turd in the punch bowl.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: (laughs) Without question. He is destroying what could have been a good movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to say (laughs) it's a terrible movie, but but he's the weak link.
0: Yeah. Like, he's the one that snaps you out of the thing every time because you're just like, what's he doing here?
2: Like, before the Beatles could be a, a real superstar band, they had to kick that one guy out. Yeah. In this movie, he's the Beatle that isn't going to be famous, that they have to replace with Ringo.
0: Yeah. Like if like if Christian Slater actually got to be the big brother in this, and then Steven Dorff's uh, <laughs> thing would be like, oh, yeah, they're brothers, clearly.
1: I mean, they couldn't get these guys because the movie itself was pretty thin. Yeah. So I, I think this movie couldn't have survived, uh, based on its own merit, uh, a lackluster performance from what's technically supposed to be the lead.
0: Yeah,
2: I wrote down one thing that uh, he did that was pretty cool in this movie, Emilio, is that when the RV was stuck in that narrow alley, he's the one that decided to make a Molotov cocktail. And uh, this was early on. He, he like lights the RV on fire to keep the bad guys from Smart being both. able to go through it. Mm. And so that right there is a sign that, oh, man, this guy's been in some street fights. Repo yeah, man. yeah he's, been, he's been part of Black Block. He's some, he's some sort of riot uh, veteran.
0: Maybe <laughs> hey, he's good with public property damage, but those I was in the past. I've got a family now, right? Uh, right. I it was one of the things I wrote. It was about Piven, and uh, he absolutely sacrificed himself because he didn't want to pay the debt of that fucking RV. <laughs> like he, he ever since that shit happened, he's just been off kilter, and he's just anxious about the debt. He's just like, I'm gonna fucking kill myself because there's no way I can pay all that.
1: Good talker. Less, yeah. Less good businessman.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: well, what do you guys think um, about this? Any final thoughts?
0: Uh, it's not a horrible movie. Like, I've definitely <laughs> seen worse shit. Yeah. Um, it's entertaining good. for the time that it was. It's a nice snapshot of the time, but I yeah. wish they played more of the music because or, that was the whole point or of any this of it. film. Yeah. Um, uh. You get out that every character actor in this movie, there's a reason you know their name because they've been around for years doing the same shit, and you could always count on them. And that is why Emilio Estevez is like missing right now. But <laughs> <laughs> now he's directing good films, apparently. Yeah, he's that's back. good. But if he but if he messes up chemistry from behind the camera, that's how you know it's like oh man, it just wasn't meant to be.
1: He was in it for the money on this one. I think yeah, he was, I think he was which was
0: not a lot of money. <laughs> it was not as much as he could have gotten. I think he was married to Paula
1: Abdul, just coasting.
0: Oh, that's right. He didn't, was married to yeah. Paula Abdul. Didn't need the money. Do you think didn't that he, she vampired need. some talent out of him, like Erica Badu and Common, and uh, or uh, <laughs> or Andre? Thie- <laughs> Sometimes people are just creativity vampires. They're just like, man, I used to be able to do this, but now I don't have any energy.
2: I want to see a list of uh, Paula Abdul's former uh, lovers Mm -hmm. to see what's happened to them.
0: Wouldn't one of them Rick Fox?
2: Who knows? Probably. I don't know. The internet will know. Let's do that. You'll have to tell me. (laughs) But uh, I like this. uh, I think that, you know, I always like urban adventure films. But I think that if you want to see an urban adventure film, The Warriors is probably like a much better Probably 100% much, yeah, hundred percent better. Uh, also, assault on precinct thirteen is oh, yeah. another great urban uh, original remake. Film. The original, but the remakes okay. John Leguizamo's in it, and Ja Rule,
0: so <laughs> you can't go wrong with you that can't combo. Include Ja Rule, <laughs> and then have that be the uh, the legitimizing factor. We all learned that from Fire Festival.
2: <laughs> and uh, and there's and I also like movies where like um a, a group of dudes gets um, – some gets in deeper than they than they thought was going to happen. Like, there's a film called Southern Comfort, mm. which is another Walter Hill movie that's like the Warriors, and it's a bunch of, uh, what are they, like, National Guard- Yeah. Type dudes. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, and they end up like, well, that's Deliverance. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, but similar, exactly the same thing. But these National Guard dudes are hanging out in the bayou, and it's like a metaphor for Vietnam, because yep. they, they start getting, uh like, bushwhacked by a bunch of wild-ass Cajuns. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's a crazy movie. Yeah, Southern Comfort. Uh, and then, you know, things... One thing I really hated about this movie, and some... You, I don't know, you guys might like it, but the aesthetic. I hated, like, the reds and oranges that were in everything. Like, the color palette uh. of this movie was Yeah, very, it was dingy. Yeah, and, like... <laughs> I don't know, but it wasn't a gritty film, but the color was so dingy. Yeah. and
0: uh, Yeah, they had to do it with the color. And I... I legitimately thought and this might happen to a lot of people listening I thought this was Trespass (laughs) I completely I'm like uh, Gabe told me it was going to be Judgment Night I'm like oh yeah fucking William Adler and Ice-T and Ice-Cube he's like no that's Trespass I'm like shit it is Trespass (laughs) but Trespass is this movie done better
2: oh yeah no we will at one point have to cover Trespass Yeah.
0: yeah I think
1: we should bring the same team
0: back (laughs) and, <laughs> That'd be fucking hilarious
2: Well if we do that It's gotta be a trilogy Because we also have to cover um, the Surviving the
0: game Oh god yes That would be great <laughs> yeah. yeah Is that The trilogy Yeah Surviving the game with Ice-T if, uh, if you have TNT You've seen Surviving the game uh, Comes on every Sunday I think um, But it was like Ice-T And <laughs> Rutger Howard And Charles S. Dutton And Gary Busey Yeah And, oh. and, F. and F. Murray, Murray Abraham, Abraham. <laughs> Yeah, that and is- everybody like everybody does a good job in this thing, and it's just like that's what. Even with New Jack City, you're looking at Ice T like, wow, man, he's he's acting right now. Holy shit! uh But everybody does a good job in that movie, and it's weird. Like it's some shit that doesn't happen, <laughs> but <laughs> this stuff can actually happen, and it's just like, nah, I'm not buying it. No,
1: Ice T even acts well in music
0: videos. The video for Colors. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, better,
2: than it's better than the movie. It's better than the movie. Yeah.
0: That Col- had a, two Academy Award winning actors and it's yeah. better.
2: <laughs> Colors. After you see Blood In, Blood Out, you're like, Colors sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it, ha- it also has like the, mo- the worst, most boring love scene ever.
1: Mm. Sean <laughs> Penn's, uh, and I forgot what her name is.
2: Yeah. Yes. They called him Pac-Man because he had a little yellow car. Sean Penn.
0: Oh, uh, one last thing as far as the replacements in this movie. Um, I got excited when they were in the projects because I thought Ray Dawn Chong was in it <laughs> because she was like the queen of 80s and 90s movies. Yeah. And it wasn't her. That means she got replaced too. They couldn't get any of their first choices in this film.
2: They had a super duper small budget, man. I think this movie had like a $4 million budget.
0: Well, they, you said they uh, spent $8 million out the gate, right? Maybe that's it. But, if but long, it was all the soundtrack. The
1: budget was high. The budget was $22 million, and they ended up grossing $12 million. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, four of that. Think about it. Four, eight was done in pre-production. Four of it was for Emilio Estevez.
0: And then... <laughs> they, they, they put all the eggs in his basket. Yeah. Like, he's going to have to bring us back from the break. <laughs> and this thing was brought to you by JVC. So, that should... <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah,
2: man. It's sad that Estevez was the, the lemon yeah. in this, but what are you going to do?
1: It wasn't it wasn't that It was terrible, it was just there was nothing there.
0: Yeah, but it was the uh, start of a of Young Bright-Eyed Everlast. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, well, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, the saving grace is uh, Stephen Dorf in this, a young Stephen Dorf in this. And now, today, in 2019, he's just killing it with uh, True Detective. So, you know, I think he, he's the breakout for me. Doing the, do, making the most moves today out of this uh, ensemble
0: of actors. over oh, Cuba Gooding Jr.? What's Cuba doing today? Well, first of all, he won an Oscar. So that's more than everybody in this whole thing.
2: Like recently? No, he won for um, Jerry Maguire. Oh, man, but that's like... A couple of years yeah. after. That was a
0: couple of years after this, so it kind of propelled him. I mean, yeah, yeah. he did Snow Dogs I mean, he, and Radio after that. He had the most, <laughs> uh,
2: you know... He also did Murder of Crows, yeah. which I love.
0: Oh, yeah oh, i tom, like... tom berenger maybe <laughs>
2: sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're just throwing out names oh no was, um... like i like sniper yeah
0: tom berenger yeah no like tom berenger is in the same barrel as treat williams <laughs> yeah we're just like oh true. yeah well what, what uh, middle-aged white guy just throw him S- up cinemax
2: in. action heroes yeah <laughs> yeah well anything you want to say Tell no,
1: close I mean, this, is this is, out you know I don't I don't I can't recommend it very much. Listen to the soundtrack. You'll, you'll get Listen it. to the soundtrack yeah. for sure. It's fun. If you grew up in the nineties, you'll you'll appreciate yeah.
0: it. Yeah. And if you say any of those people are a limp biscuit, you're too young and you should get punched in the face. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. This has been another episode of Eat Pray Judge. Uh thanks for tuning in and uh, we love it when you rate, review and subscribe. And if you want to throw us some money. Uh, we will be setting up a Patreon soon, but right now you can just Venmo me at Gabriel-Pacheco, and I promise you that I will split whatever you send this way.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this has become such a running joke now. It's our, t- it's our outline
0: with yeah.
2: Sammy Hamarne. He'll get he'll get half of it, and uh, I'll give you a shout out on the pod. Also, if you uh, give us a review, I will read your review on the pod. There so, you go. Um, and I can tell and and put that review on iTunes. Um, that's it. I'm Gabe Pacheco. Uh, you can find me at uh, Gabriel uh, at GabePacheco.com, and I've got an album out right now, uh, Risky Behavior, and it's on all the platforms. Herbie, where can people find you?
0: Um, I'm on Herbie Gill on everything. So you got Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, MySpace, Black Planet, whatever. Uh, all Herbie Gill and uh you could find me on um this podcast <laughs> and uh i did the bob ross challenge i'm doing like a, a big tour of podcasts and web series right now so if you've got a web series or podcasts holler at your boy uh but <laughs> that's pretty much it i've also never said holler at your boy ever <laughs> in my life and it shows i i immediately owed that shit <laughs> we can clean it up and post
1: <laughs>
2: we won't all right everybody. <laughs> See you later bye used to be a gambler,
0: when the weather came was up a brand it's a shorty, black white, damage put it here to
2: see my stuff, and it yet is that to reach your brain for the greater heart works it's the burning cuban and the lion challenge so is in a light right now and wow wait fam